Chapter 9 of Boots and Saddles or Life in Dakota with General Custer by Elizabeth Custer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. Chapter 9 Our New Home at Fort Lincoln. In a few days we were ready to return to Dakota and very glad to go except for leaving the old parents the hardest trial of my husband's life was parting with his mother such partings were the only occasions when i ever saw him lose entire control of himself and i always looked forward to the hour of their separation with dread for hours before we started i have seen him follow his mother about whispering some comforting word to her or opening the closed door of her own room where woman-like she fought out her grief alone sit beside her as long as he could endure it she had been an invalid for so many years that each parting seemed to her the final one her groans and sobs were heart-rending she clung to him every step when he started to go and exhausted at last was led back half fainting to her lounge the general would rush out of the house sobbing like a child and then throw himself into the carriage beside me completely unnerved i could only give silent comfort my heart bled for him and in the long silence that followed as we journeyed on i knew that his thoughts were with his mother at our first stop he was out of the cars in an instant buying fruit to send back to her before we were even unpacked in the hotel where we made our first stay of any length he had dashed off a letter i have since seen those missives no matter how hurriedly he wrote they were proofs of the tenderest most filial love and full of the prophecies he never failed to make of the reunion that he felt would soon come after long debates with her parents we had captured a young lady who was to return with us she was a joy forever and submitted without a word to the rough part of our journey after we left st paul the usual struggle for decent food began some of the officers returning from leave of absence had joined us and we made as merry over our hardships as we could when we entered the eating houses one young member of our party whom we called the butter fiend was made the experimenter if he found the butter too rancid to eat undisguised he gave us a hint by saying under his breath this is a double over place that meant that we must put a layer of bread on top of the butter to smother the taste the general was so sensitive when living in civilization that the heartiest appetite would desert him if an allusion to anything unpleasant or a reference to suffering was made at the table but he never seemed to be conscious of surroundings when roughing it of course i had learned to harden myself to almost anything by this time but i can see the wide open eyes of our girlfriend 
when she saw us eat all around any foreign ingredients we found in our food she nearly starved on a diet consisting of the interior of badly baked potatoes and the inside of soggy rolls one of the eating places on the road was kept in a narrow little house built on a flat car two men presided one cooking and the other waiting on the table we were laboriously spearing our food with two tined forks and sipping the muddy coffee with pewter spoons when i heard with surprise the general asking for a napkin it seemed as foreign to the place as a finger bowl the waiter knew him however and liked him too well to refuse him anything so he said i have nothing but a towel general just the thing repeated my husband in his quick jolly way so the man tied a long crash towel under his chin and the general ate on too indifferent to appearances to care that the tableful of travellers smiled when we finally reached the termination of the road at bismarck another train was about starting back to st paul the street was full of people wildly expostulating and talking loudly and fiercely it appeared that this was the last train of the season as the cars were not to run during the winter the passengers were mostly bismarck citizens whose lawless life as gamblers and murderers had so outraged the sentiments of the few law-abiding residents that they had forced them to depart we could see those outlaws crowding at the door hanging out of the windows swearing and menacing and finally firing on the retreating crowd as the cars passed out of town i was inclined to remain a fixture in our car to step down into such a melee was too much for my courage the general made allowance for my fears and we were quietly slipped out on the other side of the depot hurried into the ambulance and driven to the river the ice was already thick enough to bear our weight part way over then came a swift rushing torrent of water which had to be crossed in a small boat some of the soldiers rowed while one kept the huge cakes of floating ice from our frail boat with a long iron pointed pole as i stepped into the little craft i dropped upon the bottom and hid my eyes and no amount of reference to dangers i had encountered before induced me to look up the current of the missouri is so swift it is something dreadful to encounter we were lifted out upon the ice again and walked to the bank once more on shore i said to myself here will i live and die and never go on that river again our brother colonel tom met us and drove us to our new home in the dim light i could see the great post of fort lincoln where only a few months before we had left a barren plain our quarters were lighted and as we approached the regimental band played home sweet home followed by the general's favorite gary owen the general had completely settled the house before he left for the east but he had kept this fact secret as a surprise 
our friends had lighted it all and built fires in the fireplaces the garrison had gathered to welcome us and mary had a grand supper ready how we chattered and gloried over the regiments having a home at last it seemed too good to believe that the seventh cavalry had a post of its own with room for half of the regiment assigned to duty there in other garrisons when we had come in late in the fall from campaigns the officers in order to get places for themselves had been obliged to turn someone else out there is a disagreeable though probably necessary law in the army regulations which directs officers to take their quarters according to rank fort lincoln was built with quarters for six companies the barracks for the soldiers were on the side of the parade ground nearest the river while seven detached houses for officers faced the river opposite on the left of the parade ground was the long granary and the little military prison called the guardhouse opposite completing the square were the quartermaster and commissary storehouses for supplies and the adjutant's office outside the garrison proper near the river were the stables for six hundred horses still further beyond were the quarters for the laundresses easily traced by the swinging clotheslines in front and dubbed for this reason suds row some distance on from there were the log huts of the indian scouts and their families while on the same side also was the level plain used for parades and drill on the left of the post was the sutler's store with a billiard room attached soon after the general arrived he permitted a citizen to put up a barber shop and afterward another built a little cabin of cottonwood with a canvas roof for a photographer's establishment the post was located in a valley while just back of us stretched a long chain of bluffs on the summit of a hill nearly a mile to the left was a small infantry garrison which had been established some time and now belonged to our post when we went to return the visits of the infantry ladies the mules dragged the ambulance up the steep hill with difficulty we found living in this bleak place in small shabbily built quarters such as a day laborer would consider hardly good enough for his family delicate women and children who as usual made no complaint about their life afterward we were much indebted to one of the ladies who determined to conquer fate varied our lives and gave us something to look forward to by organizing a reading club that met every week she had sent to the east before the trains ceased running for the new books this little post had been built before the railroad was completed and the houses were put together with as few materials as possible there was no plastering but the ceilings and partitions were of thick paper made for the purpose when narrow mouldings of wood were tacked over the joined places and all of it painted the effect was very pretty but when it was torn and ragged it looked poverty-stricken enough in one set of quarters there chanced to be so many children and so little room 
that the parents had invented a three-story bed where the little ones could be all stowed at night while we were calling there one day i sat talking with the cheerful little mother and wondering how she could be so bright everything in garrison life was of course new to my girlfriend and i discovered she was trying to smother a laugh she commanded a view of the inner door one of the children who had been beating the wall and crying to enter had finally made preliminary preparations she had thrust through a hole in the paper partition each article of her little wardrobe even to her shoes and was putting the first rosy foot through after them when the mother discovered this she laughed heartily and gave us thus an opportunity to join her our own post was somewhat sheltered by the bluffs behind but even though our quarters were plastered the unseasoned lumber warped and it was a struggle to keep warm the wood with which we were provided was far from dry and much of it of that kind that burns quickly but sends out little heat it seemed to require the entire time of one man to keep up the fires it was thus a blessed thing for the poor fellow whose duty it was for he had never been able to remain long with his company at a time he had an uncontrollable habit of drinking most of the time he belonged to the band of prisoners who are taken out of the guardhouse every day under a sentinel to police the garrison and cut the wood mary gave them the coffee and whatever else was left from the table every day this seemingly worthless fellow told mary that he believed he could keep straight if mrs custer would get the general to remit his sentence and let him come to us to keep the fires so he came and was occasionally sober for some time he learned to go through the house with his arms full of wood when he was quite drunk he really had too much heart to cause me trouble and used to say mary i am pretty full but don't let mrs custer know it for i told her i would not do so again and i don't like to make her feel bad so mary spied out the land before him and opened his doors after he had tried her patience long she finally lost her temper on finding that he had swallowed all the worcestershire sauce and her bottle of painkiller she held out the can of kerosene oil to him and asked if he would not add that to his dram and began such a berating that he hurried off to escape from the violence of her tongue the soldiers asked the general's permission to put up a place in which they could have entertainments and he gave them every assistance he could they prepared the lumber in the sawmill that belonged to the post the building was an ungainly looking structure but large enough to hold them all the unseasoned cottonwood warped even while the house was being built but by patching and lining with old torn tents they managed to keep out the storm the scenery was painted on condemned canvas stretched on a framework and was lifted on and off as the plays required the footlights in front of the rude stage were tallow candles that smoked and sputtered inside the clumsily 
cobbled casing of tin the seats were narrow benches without backs the officers and ladies were always invited to take the front row at every new performance and after they entered the house filled up with soldiers some of the enlisted men played very well and used great ingenuity in getting up their costumes the general accepted every invitation and enjoyed it all greatly the clog dancing and negro character songs between the acts were excellent indeed we sometimes had professionals who having been stranded in the states had enlisted a regiment is recruited from all classes and conditions of men occasionally accident revealed the secret that there were fugitives from justice in the ranks if they changed their names they found no place where they were so hidden from everyone they ever knew as in a regiment that is always on duty in the territories it came to pass sometimes that a man of title who had left his country for his country's good wore the government blue as a disguise and served as a trooper for want of anything better to do among the men who sent word they would be glad to help me about the house when we were settling either as a carpenter a saddler to sew carpets or a blacksmith to put up stoves there were several with histories although they were strictly military with the general observing the rule of never speaking unless spoken to they sought the first opportunity to tell me their troubles these were invariably domestic difficulties until i began to think our regiment was a city of refuge for outraged husbands it would eventually be found out that these men had run away and enlisted under assumed names when driven desperate by the scoldings of a turbulent wife time and the loneliness of a soldier's life would soften their woes and they began at last to sigh even for the high-pitched voice of the deserted woman the general felt as badly as i did when i carried their stories to him begging him to get them discharged he had a little fashion however of asking me to remember that about this as about every other subject that we ever discussed there were always two sides to a question my sympathy for the soldiers in trouble was of little avail for the law compelling them to serve the five years out was irrevocable all i could do was to write letters at their solicitation revealing their identity and asking for a reconciliation my husband's duties extended over a wide range if the laundresses had a serious difficulty he was asked to settle it they had many pugilists among them and the least infringement of their rights provoked a battle in which wood and other missiles filled the air bandaged and bruised they brought their wrongs to our house where both sides had a hearing the general had occasionally to listen and arbitrate between husband and wife when the laundress and her soldier husband could not agree i was banished from the room while he heard their story and gave them counsel in the same way he listened to whatever complaints the soldiers made 
some of them came into our quarters on one occasion with a tin cup of coffee for the general to taste and determine whether he agreed with them that it was too poor to drink from that time on after every sunday morning inspection the general went with all the officers to visit the kitchens as well as the barracks of each company and every troop commander was called upon to pass criticisms on the cleanliness of the quarters and on the wholesomeness of the food End of chapter 9